Jacob in the um, beginning of his life. Uh, when you when you hear about Jacob, I don't know what you know about Jacob. Uh, obviously, he was the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, in the end of his life, uh, he, he seemed to really finally get it together. But if you think of words that um, that are adequately uh, used to describe Jacob for most of, a, of his life, it'd be schemer, liar, manipulator. Uh, his very word, the, uh, the very translation of his name, uh, some have said may, means deceiver, uh, but probably the most literal translation is grasper, one who grasps, and uh, that almost started from the womb as uh, Esau came out first and uh, Jacob was grasping at his very heel. And uh, so uh, Jacob struggled his entire life, as many of us do. Uh, Let me give you some accomplishments before we really look at a couple of passages uh, of Jacob. Uh, Jacob fathered 12 sons who became the leaders in the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those sons was Joseph, a key figure in the Old Testament. His name is frequently associated with God in the Bible, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gets thrown in that triumphant. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But for most of Jacob's life, you would have thought he would have been in any list, but it wouldn't have been that list. You would have thought uh, Jacob would have been one of those pitchers at the post office, man, most wanted. Uh, A lot of people wanted to kill him at one point, and deservedly so. And uh, the truth is, I I think his testimony and his life speaks to a lot of where we are as men from time to time. Uh, We we try to manipulate things. We we try to make things work out uh, uh, for our benefit and our good. And as a result, we build up some enemies. Uh, We've got some people that are chomping at our heels that are always constantly looking uh, to attack us. You know, but the one thing we do know is that uh, when he fell in love with a lady, he fell in love with a lady. Uh, Remember his his father-in-law, Laban, uh, tricked him. He says, man, I I love uh, love Rachel, and I want to marry her. And Laban said, hey, work for me for seven years, and I'll give you my wife. Now, I want you to know, i got to be honest, I've never worked that hard for a woman in all my life. But, uh, and then he got tricked. Boy, on the very night of his wedding, he got the ugly sister. Man, can you imagine that? But he loved her so much that he hung around and worked another seven years and finally got the right one and then uh, had a little falling out and uh, his father-in-law came after him. Um, Boy, he had strength. He was a clever guy. He was a sharp guy. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being clever. There's nothing wrong with being wise. There's nothing wrong with being smart. Um, just try not to uh, rip people off <laughs> with your cleverness. Uh, any, anybody ever, 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 ever had that conversation with your kids uh, or somebody else? You know, if you spend as much time uh, focusing on doing the right thing as you do trying to do the wrong thing, you know, you'd be successful anyway. All right, you don't have to cheat. Just just do the right thing. Spend the time. And so he was a clever guy. Uh, he was a sharp guy. Um, man, sometimes that cleverness and that intelligence and that craftiness worked for him. Uh, sometimes it worked against him. Um, the uh, Let's see. Uh, weaknesses uh, wasn't uncommon for Jacob just to make his own rules. If he wanted something, he just swindled somebody out of it. He just took it. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for that. And, and how many times do we do that? Uh, he, he, he would deceive others for selfish and personal gain. Uh, that was kind of a weakness of his. Kind of life lessons, um, I think, for each of us in our own lives, and some of us may be in this season, this situation in life, uh, sooner or later, uh, 
we're going to have to wrestle with God. That's kind of a great thought with Jacob. Sooner or later, you're going to have to do business with God. And so you might as well make it sooner rather than later uh, because uh, it'll be uh, be well for you. Hometown was Canaan. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, you can see, uh, if you want to read his story, Genesis chapter 25 to 37, chapter 42, 45 to 49, uh, mentioned in the Bible, uh, like I said, in uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was a shepherd, prosperous owner of sheep and cattle. Uh, let's see. All right, let's jump down. Let me tell you a little bit about Jacob's life. If you want to uh, follow along in Scripture, we'll start in Genesis chapter 25. Um, Jacob's very life began as a struggle. It began as a battle. Uh, he was a twin. Anybody in here have twins, have multiples? All right, you got twins. Uh, and uh, the, uh, your twins, were they boys, girls? Both of them were girls. Were they both uh, similar in personality and, uh, or were they as different as night and day? They were similar. Competitive. All right, with each other or just with the world? It was them again. Okay. Okay, still to this day. All right, very good, pretty similar. Uh, his twin, Jacob and Esau, were about as different as night and day. Uh, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 26, let me just read it for you if you have your Bibles. It says, uh, afterward, his brother came out and his hand holding Esau's hill. So his name was called Jacob. Uh, Isaac was 60 years old when, uh, uh, when he was born. And so... Uh, from the very moment they were born, uh, they were holding on to each other. And Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel. In verse 23, jump back up. Um, notice what it says, verse 23. It says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Uh, talking about uh, Jacob's mom. Two nations are in your womb. Uh, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. If you remember, we talked uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was uh, sharing uh, uh, through my series through the summer, uh, talking about Elisha desiring a double portion of Elisha's blessing. And I said, that's not the only time we see, as we look through Scripture, the idea of a double portion uh, going uh, to someone, a double portion of God's blessings. One of the places that a double portion of God's blessings go is to the oldest descendant, the oldest son. He is to get a double portion of the inheritance. And so even though they were twins, Esau being first, he was rightly due a double portion of his father's blessings. But we're going to see here in a few minutes that uh, Jacob swindles him out of it. Now, uh, this also ought to tell you as we look through the story that um, the rivalry uh, between Jacob and Esau, which is naturally there, uh, if you're, my guess is there are many times that you guys were trying to play the middle as they were competing against each other. You're just trying, you know, and, and my guess is you also from time to time, and my kids have done this to us before. We've got four of them. Uh, we like two. Um, we've got four kids. There are times when things are going well for a kid. Anybody ever had one of your kids say, well, you just like them more than you like me? You know, the truth is, I don't ever remember looking at them going, you're right. But the truth is, they were right. I didn't love any of my kids 
any less or any more. But there were sure some times in our lives where we liked a couple of them a lot better than we liked the other. Am I the only guy? Am I, am I the least spiritual father in the room? Uh, I mean, you're sitting there going, you're right. I love all four of y'all equally. But right now, I can't stand two of you. Uh, so uh, good news is uh, hopefully they won't listen to this. But uh, And I'll say, and if one of my son asked me, I said, no, I was talking about your sisters. If, my si- if the daughters ask, I was talking about your brothers. So, uh, but, but, but what we did is we never tried to create the rivalry. We never tried to make it even wor- any worse. It was already naturally there. That's who we are. You know, Paul, Paul always talks in Romans chapter 7 about that war within us, that sin and the difficulty that happens in our life as we battle the war within the spirit and the flesh. But, man, we're, we're looking at mom and dad here that, that they, they help the rivalry take place. And we're going to see that mom liked Jacob and dad liked Esau. And so they were real willing to foster even the rivalry and, 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 and push along uh, the rivalry that these brothers just naturally had. Uh, if you see Esau was uh, a hunter, uh, we're going to look at it. We're going to be in verse 28 if you want to jump down there of Genesis chapter 25. Esau uh, was a hunter. His father was favorite. Uh, Isaac would love the wild, uh, wild game and Esau, that Esau brought it home. Esau went out. He was the hunter-gatherer. And Jacob was the cooker. Uh, look at him, verse 28. It says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Mom loved Jacob because he was kind of a homebody. He was, uh, uh, he was the one who liked to hang out in the kitchen. He liked to stay home. Uh, Esau, uh, he was the hunter. He liked to get uh, get bloody. He liked to get dirty. He liked to go kill the meat. Uh, Jacob liked to hang out with mom and, and eat it. There was a destructive favoritism uh, that we see uh, between mom and dad, and that's always a difficult path that we have to make and a difficult uh, journey we have to walk with our kids is to make sure that we love them equally and treat them equally. Now, that doesn't mean that we discipline, don't discipline them differently. Because there are times that we have to discipline our kids differently. Uh, and part of that is consequences of bad actions. Consequences of bad actions always have to produce uh, consequences and discipline as well. But there's a destructive favoritism. Uh, it's interesting that if you look at that favoritism, it actually flows down to Jacob's kids. Who's the next big story? of the 12 tribes that we're going to see after Jacob. Who's the next big story? Joseph, right? And Jacob, what? He loved Joseph, right? And the brothers, part of the reason that Joseph was sold into slavery is because Jacob loved Joseph. And the brothers, man, they, they were just like, you love him more than us. So here's what we'll do. We'll take him. Uh, they first wanted to kill him. And then they said, instead, well, why shouldn't we just profit off the guy? And they sell him into slavery. So that destructive favoritism visits down to the next generation. And so we always want to be careful that uh, if there is something that, that, that we inherited, uh, not, not, not in the genetic sense, but in the relational sense from our mom or our dad, we got to make sure that we don't take that uh, same destructive behavior and implant it in our kids through our words and through our actions and through our lives. We want to let God 
God purify and make whatever one of those um, areas just make it white as snow and and affect it in a powerful way. So verse 28 says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. And, but Rebecca uh, loved J- Jacob. If you jump over to Genesis chapter 27, first four uh, verses, uh, Jacob steals the birthright of his brother. Uh, when Isaac um, was old and his eyesight faded, uh, he realized that his time was near and the death was near. So he made arrangements uh, to pass on his birthright uh, and his blessing uh, to Esau, who is the firstborn son. And notice what happens in Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 to 4. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim uh, so that he could not see. He called Esau, his older brother, and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Esau said, Here am I. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons and your quiver and your bow. Go out in the field and hunt some game for me this one last time and prepare for me a delicious meal, some food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I might eat it, that my soul may bless you before I die. And so what is happening? His father calls him in and says, hey, listen, go kill something. When you kill something, um, uh, come back, make me a dinner that I like. Then I want to bless you. I'm going to give you your birthright. I want to give you the double portion. I want to make sure that you have my blessings. His eyes had faded. His vision was gone. And uh, notice what happens if you look down just in verse 36 uh, uh, and following. Uh, Rebecca uh, heard that uh, it was time for the birthright to be passed along. And so Rebecca uh, hatches a plan. And she says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dress you up. We're going to throw a little stink on you. We're going to throw a little blood on you, Jacob. And you're going to go in, and you're going to steal your father's birthright, your brother's birthright. It says, verse 36, Esau said, and notice this, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing." Then he said, have you not reserved this blessing for me? Man, Esau just understands that he is ripped off by his brother. And uh, anger flowed out. Esau, if you look down in verse 41, Esau vowed to kill Jacob. Uh, And uh, so you just constantly see Jacob's conniving nature and his nature that... um, that he's going to steal. He's going he's to take matters into his own hand. He's always going to grab for uh, Esau's birthright and Esau's blessing, and he swindles him out of it. Uh, look at chapter 28, verse 13 to 15, his jump. Um, you know, God renews, um, uh, even in his grace, God reminds Jacob that God's going to do something with him as, as conniving and evil as he is. Look at verse 13. It says, Behold, uh, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land which you, uh, you lie, I will give you, and I will give your offsprings. Your offsprings shall be like the dust of the earth. This is God promising to Jacob that, that grabber, that deceiver, uh, that one who is clever, that one who is oftentimes ripping people off. God is still abundant in grace. That's one of the things we see even in Jacob's life is that God is a gracious God. God is a loving God. And, and that mean, that's, that's a beautiful hope for all of us is that um, we, regardless of who we are right now, God can still offer us grace. 
regardless of who uh, and what we've done in our business and our relationships, it's, it's what God can still do because of his grace and what God is willing to do. He says in verse 14 of uh, Genesis 28, he says, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad uh, to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, your offspring, shall be all, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Just um, uh, reiterating a blessing that was being passed down from Abraham to Isaac, now to Jacob. And look at verse 15. It says, Behold, I am with you, and wherever you go, I will go, and uh, will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promise you. God's promises always reign supreme regardless uh, of who we are. It's because that's who God is. God is a faithful God, a loving God. If God has made us a promise, he's going to fulfill it. And that's the beauty of the story uh, of Jacob. Uh, now notice, uh, jump down if you want to see Laban's deceit. I won't read it all. Um, so uh, Jacob um, settles in Haran. After he's stolen uh, Esau's blessing and then he's stolen his birthright, uh, Esau vows to kill him. So Jacob takes off and he settles into Haran. There's some family over there. Uh, and Jacob uh, falls in love uh, with Rachel, Laban, uh, Laban's daughter. And so they cut a deal. And they say, uh, all right, Laban basically says, hey, Jacob, if you'll work for me for seven years, I'll give you Rachel. And uh, he's faithfully works for him for seven years. And on the wedding night, he gets the ugly duckling. What would you think about that? Man, how would you, how would you feel? You talk about finally getting a little bit of your own medicine, right? What's that? And, and you know, the interesting part, can, you also know Laban was saying, how in the world am I going to get rid of this ugly girl? And he says, I'm just going to have to trick somebody. And that's exactly what we see. Look at it, Genesis chapter 29, verse 23 to 25. Uh, but in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his female servant Zilpah, uh, Zilpah uh, to his daughter uh, Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said, Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you all this time for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? I, 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 can, only, uh, I can only imagine verse 25. Look at those words. It says, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of humor that could go right there. Right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of humor that could go right there. It was Leah. Oh, my. And uh, so what did he do? He says, hey, listen, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you really love her, serve me another seven years. And so he served her another seven years. Uh, uh, then, then finally God shows up and, and tells Jacob it's time to go home. It's time to go home. He, has a, he gets on the outs uh, with, with Laban. Uh, and, and he kind of has, boy, you talk about his life. Um, and this is what you always preach to your kids. This is what you always, always preach to people, man. Uh, it's kind of an incredible picture of Jacob heading back to his homeland, back towards Esau, the brother who what? Last time he saw him, he had vowed to kill him, right? 
He's running from Laban, who's behind him, who wants to do what? Who wants to kill him? And so here you have Jacob right in the middle. He's going back to a brother that the last thing that brother said is, if I ever see your face again, I'm going to kill you. He's running from a father-in-law who um, is one to kill him. And he's taking both of his daughters. And you have Jacob stuck right in the middle. And sometimes God has to get us right in the middle of our own junk before we can get our attention. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God has to get us and allow us to get caught right in the middle of our own junk before he can do business with us. And that's where we see Jacob. you got Laban behind him. He's got Esau in front of him. And um, Jacob's scared. Jacob knows his goose is cooked. He knows if, if I just roll into Esau, he could just kill me. He'd just flat out kill me. I can't go back or Laban will kill me. And so Jacob begins to develop this plan. And his plan literally is to use his servants and his livestock as he approaches Esau, use them kind of as a peace offering, kind of send them ahead. Hey, y'all just kind of roll ahead and, and let's see how this thing turns out. Um, anybody in here ever do that with your wife and kids? Hey, y'all go ahead. You know, you, you, Jacob was not the brave soul here. Uh, he was kind of pushing his family. He says, hey, let's go test the waters. Let's send some, uh, let's send some animals. Let's send some offerings. Let's send some, uh, some, of the, some of the servants on ahead. And that's exactly what we see. Uh, look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 11. He says, please deliver me from the hand of my brother uh, and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. And that's just a reality. He says, I fear him that he may come and attack me. Uh, the mothers and the mothers with the children. Now, so let's talk about now in Genesis chapter 32, uh, beginning verse 21, this is where Jacob wrestles with God. And so picture the circumstances. You've got Laban behind Jacob uh, that he can't go back. You've got Esau in front of him. Jacob's kind of sent every little possible offering uh, that he could to Esau. And so now what we see in Genesis chapter 32 is we see that Jacob is wrestling with God. It says, verse 22, it says, That night Jacob got up and took his uh, two wives, uh, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And then he goes, uh, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he had, because he had wrestled with the men. Then the man said to him, let go, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said to him, your name is no longer Jacob, but your name is now Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. 
In the midst of it all, he says, you've struggled with God and you've struggled with people and you've overcome. Look at verse 29. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you want to know my name? Then he just blessed him there. Look at verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face and yet was spared. Then look at verse 31. It says, And the sun rose above him, uh, and it passed, and he was limping because of his hip. All right. When he wrestled with God, he went away with a limp. When he wrestled with God, he went away with a limp. And look at verse 32. He says, therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat uh, the tendon that is attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. You know, there are times, guys, that, um, that God has to let us get to the end of ourselves before he'll really get our attention. God has to let us get in a difficult situation before he knows he'll get our attention. Um, I said this a little bit Sunday. When do we work most on our prayer life? When do we call out to God the most? It's, it's not when things are good. Well, that's when we high-five or fist-bump God. Hey, thanks, God, we did it. Thank God, we did it. Thanks, God, I did some really good stuff. Thanks for blessing me. That's usually the fist bump time. It's when things are difficult. It's when, notice, he's got an enemy behind him, enemy in front of him. He's sent all of his possessions. It's just him. And, and he's, he's just sitting there battling and doing business with God. And, and as I thought about this, I, I, I thought a couple of thoughts. Um, we can run all we want, but we'll never be able to outrun God. We can run all we want, but we will never ultimately be able to outrun God. You know, when a man runs from God, eventually God will catch him. Eventually God will catch us. And so I don't know how long you've been running or what you're running for, but you and I need to understand uh, that we can't run forever. Think about Jacob's life. He lied and manipulated all of his life. Uh, he lived at the birthright that was not rightfully his. Uh, he even implicated God by claiming that God uh, had given him uh, uh, the venison quickly. And just, boy, is all you know. I mean, he did a lot of things. Man, sin uh, had had finally made its way home to Jacob. And and the truth is, we can run from God a long time, but eventually God's going to catch us. He ran from his brother, Esau, because he had ripped him off. Man, the, the truth is there are people in our lives, if we aren't careful, that we've ripped off in business dealings in the past that uh, we need to go face the music. We need to go settle it. We need to go ask forgiveness. And hopefully, like Esau, sure enough, uh, we will receive a, a gracious and a, and a loving and a comfort, uh, a comforting reunion. Even if you don't, you'll never go wrong doing the right thing. You'll never go wrong doing the right thing. Uh, but most of all, if you look at, look at Jacob, I think most of his life when it comes to his character flaws, yeah, he was running from God. He was running from those he had hurt. He was running from himself. I think a lot of times we run from ourselves. We, we, are, we know who we are. We know who we ripped off. We know when we manipulate a situation. We know when, when we made things work out. For, we, we know. 
And that's really where Jacob was, man. His conscience probably never allowed him to get a deep sleep. His relationships always caused him to struggle. And my question for us is, is that where we are? Are we going to be Jacob? I mean, wouldn't it have been so much better early in his life for him just to fess up early and uh, enjoy the company of his brother and the blessings of his father and ultimately a strong relationship with God? Instead, he had to wait for that night of wrestling. Have you ever had one of those nights of wrestling? Uh, Hopefully you have. Hopefully you've had one of those nights of wrestling. Because I think we all need one good one. You say, well, I've never cheated my brother out of this. I've never." But the reality of it is when, when we have a season and a night of wrestling, yes, it's about confessing sin and building relationships and, and renewing broken relationships. But more than that, it's really about us saying, all right, God, what do you have for me? Has there ever been that night of wrestling in your life? Has there ever been that season in your life where you've said, God, whatever you want from me, I'll give you? Whatever you want from me, I'll give you. And if there hasn't, there probably needs to be one. There needs to be one of those seasons and nights of wrestling for salvation where we, where we grapple uh, with the grace of God and, and what I believe has bought my salvation. Do I think, man, have I just drifted along for a long time going to church and being a part of church, and, and I think I'm good enough to get there. Part of what I need to wrestle with may be the fact that, man, I'm a wretched man. Apart from the grace of God, there is no salvation for me. Apart from uh, the grace of God, we, we look at Jacob's ladder, one of the stories that I didn't touch on today, man. It's all about God demonstrating us. Boy, if you think about the letters, some going up, some going down. Most of the religions of the world, uh, they have the idea that, that to get to heaven, you have to be good enough. It's a works-based salvation. I'm going to take one rung, and then I'm going to go up another rung, and I'm eventually, when I die, I'm going to be good enough to get to heaven. The reality of it is there is no up to heaven. There's only down. And the only down was while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the down. God gave his son for us. We have to wrestle with God. At some point, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every son, every daughter has to wrestle with God as it relates to salvation. Have you ever done that? Have you ever settled that issue? And after salvation, we have to wrestle with God. Who are we going to be? Who's going to be in charge of my life? Am I going to be the captain of my own ship or am am I going to let God be the captain of my ship? Am I going to do my own thing or am I going to let let God lead me? Am I going to uh, deal um, with people the way I want to deal with them or am I going to let God direct my relationships? We need to wrestle with God, not just salvation, but really who's going to run our life? And and the good news is, the encouraging word is, the younger we make that decision, that we're going to let God lead our lives, the better off we are. Sometimes we need to wrestle with God in in the areas of confession. Hey, we're men. Let's be honest. Um, It's not easy for us to admit we're wrong. It's easy for us to blame someone else. You know, it's the boss or someone else at the office or it's someone that doesn't like me or it's my wife or it's my kids or it's this or it's the world. 
when the reality of it, we need to, to acknowledge that, man, some of my struggles might be because of my sinfulness, my craftiness, my cleverness, my deceitfulness, my uh, relationship, and that's the only way we grow. And so we confess and we ask God. And then we need to wrestle with God asking for his blessing. We need to ask God for his blessing. There is nothing wrong with asking for God's favor in our lives, asking God, asking for God's blessing in our lives. Would you bless my kids? Would you bless my grandkids? Would you bless my job? Would you bless me spiritually? But then at the same time, you've heard me say it over and over again, when I ask God to bless me, understand the primary purpose for God blessing me is that I would bless others, that I would in turn bless others. God doesn't look down at us and say, man, yeah, let's go build bigger barns and bigger this because you can store your crops and you can do this and you can pat yourself on the back. Because the truth is God blesses us so that we can bless others. So do business with God when it relates to your salvation. Do business with God when it relates to who's really running the ship. Do business with God when it relates to confessing our sins. Do business with God when when you're asking for his blessings. But then do that for the sole purpose. When you ask for God's blessings, use it so you can bless others. And this story of Jacob to me just speaks of the amazing grace of God. If there's anybody, if you think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you can look a lot about Abraham's life, and there were some things that weren't that pretty. Hagar. Look at Isaac. He wasn't perfect. You look at Jacob. Most of what you read about Jacob in Scripture is negative. But it truly speaks to the amazing grace of God. So wherever you are, remember the amazing grace of God can show up in your life, in your family, just like it did to Jacob. And what did God say to Jacob? And all the nations of the world will be blessed because of your name. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you're a Jacob in here today, do business with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I pray for these men and uh, those that will listen to this later as they travel. Pray that each of us just would honestly examine our own hearts and our own lives and uh, see what part of us is like that character or lack thereof of Jacob. Do we steal? Do we connive? Are we clever? Do we take things that don't rightly belong with us? Never truly wrestling with God. God, if there's someone here today, regardless of their age, that they need to wrestle with you about salvation, Accept the grace of God through your son, Jesus Christ, and be reminded that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, thank you for that. Maybe there's someone else, Father, that needs to determine today who's going who's gonna to run the ship, who's going to run their life, who's going to make the decisions, whether they're going to make the decisions for their own good and their own way or whether they're going to make them um, uh, let you make decisions for them. God, maybe there's some here, God, that, that they need to do some serious confession perhaps first confess to you and then go confess to someone else and ask for forgiveness. Don't try to make, make excuses. Try to make things right.
And finally, God, we ask for your blessings. I ask for your blessings on every man in this room, but not for the purpose that we can simply have more, but so that we can in turn bless others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.